Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies Podcast. And, well, before the year, we said this might not be a very good year for the Blackhawks. And, boy, their first four games, they lived up to those uh, rather low expectations. So we're going to recap these games, but um, you might not go into all the – They gave up five in each. Yeah. They gave up five in each game. Did get the last one against the um, Panthers to overtime, earning their first point of the year. But, yeah, one out of eight points and three different goalies. And, yeah, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, it was more or less the same results, regardless of which goalie they went with. Um, Malcolm Subban got the opening night start. Made some nice athletic saves, which, um, you know, I think we talked about in the preview is something that we can expect from him. He He's a very athletic, acrobatic goalie, but he also had some misadventures as well and some soft goals, uh, which has been an issue for him throughout his career as well. And then they went with Calendelia in two straight games, one against Tampa, one against Florida, and... Once again, another athletic goalie made some pretty spectacular saves, but also allowed some soft ones and had uh, some trouble handling the puck in uh, his first game. Although I think the, you know, that was more of a miscommunication. And it's actually something I think we saw with all three goalies where they're not communicating well with their defensemen. The defensemen don't know what they're going to do. They don't know what the defensemen are going to do. And so hopefully that's the kind of stuff that can be uh, kind of sorted out. Yeah. We've definitely seen some instances where the goalie leaves the puck behind the net, expecting Mm -hmm. the defenseman to skate to it. And the puck just gets left there and the other team is able to capitalize on it. And then other times where, you know, the, the goalies have looked to pass, but the defenseman is coming up and trying to skate to the puck. So yeah, that's definitely been an issue across the board. Um, but more concerning to me is all six defensemen um, have, we've seen the, the same thing that we've seen over the last couple of years, just blown coverages. Mm-hmm. Um, Duncan Keith uh, has been terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't really know another way of saying that. He, he has helped out offensively. Um, he's definitely recorded a couple of points and um, he's still a good passer, yeah. but there have been several instances leading goals where his man, he just, he allows too large of a gap and just an easy shot on goal from a high danger area because Keith isn't close enough to him. And yeah. um, especially in the last two games, it's been a real issue and Connor Murphy's been okay but well he, he was okay in the first three games but I thought he really struggled last game uh, Ian Mitchell's been probably the best yeah I would honestly. say like if I had to pick a defense pair that looked at least times decent I would say DeHaan and Mitchell but yeah yeah um DeHaan is just you know he's got no offensive ability whatsoever mm-hmm. um but you know, he's been 
probably of the veterans, the most positionally mm -hmm. sound, I think defensively there, there's been a couple of times where, uh, you know, I think he's one of the guys where we had a miscommunication with the goalies um, another time uh, or two where two defensemen went to cover one guy and left a guy open in the slot. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, Zadorov's been okay as well. He hasn't really been a problem. Um, mm -hmm. He's but, made some big hits like we expected. Mm -hmm. He's made some nice defensive plays as well, but he's also been out of position a couple of times, a little inconsistent with his decision-making. So then we got to touch on the big one. It's just, Bolquest has been horrible. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, he's basically had two good periods. Um, the last two games, I think he played one good period in each game, but... You know, two games ago against Florida, he was awful mm -hmm. the first two periods, just turning the puck over, not being decisive um, offensively, and then defensively getting just beaten to the outside mm -hmm. and then allowing the guys to drive to the net. And, you know, that's a theme we've seen over and over with him. He just he's he's struggling with that speed to the outside mm -hmm well, speed to the outside and then losing the power struggle as that guy cuts to the front of the net. Yes. And it, you know, it was an eyesore in the bubble games last year. He, they just, they really took advantage of him in that regard. And he doesn't seem to have made any progress on that so far in these early games. Um, however, so that, we have, I was going to, yeah, I was go going to ask you that this, is that something that he's got to get stronger or, is it, does he have to get better angles? What do you think is the... Both. Um, he needs, he either needs a little more explosive skating in his transition um, when he goes from skating backwards to kind of turning out and skating with them as they go outside. Um, but he also needs a little better angle to cut them off a little sooner at the blue line. So he's allowing them in with speed and then he's not able to turn and um, transition quickly enough to kind of force them more outside. But then he's also not been strong enough on his skates to um, prevent them from turning the corner and cutting to the front of the net. You know, uh, it, it's really a, a problem in three facets and, and we've not seen any improvement with him uh, in any of those three really since he uh, came into the league. Now, obviously, he's still very young. Uh, you know, he was not even expected to be in the NHL at this point, let alone this point last season. So it's not something where I'm panic button level. You know, this guy's never going to be anything, but it's definitely a big concern. Um, I'm, I'm less concerned about the strength differential. Um, he's still filling out. Um, he's definitely not grown into, you know, he, he doesn't have a grown man's body yet. So I, I don't worry so much about the fact that he gets overpowered um, along the boards or when guys are cutting to the front of the net, I, that will come, I think, eventually. Um, he's never going to be, you know, he's never going to overpower guys, but I think he can get to the point where he can prevent other guys from overpowering him. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, Duncan Keith's kind of been a guy like that where, you know, early on in his career, uh, he would just get out muscled, but he got mm -hmm. to the point where, 
you know, he could, he could withstand, even though he's not a guy that would stand toe to toe and, you know, but so I, I don't worry about that part with, with Boquist. The thing that concerns me more is, you know, especially as an offensive minded guy, the fact mm-hmm. that he's not an explosive skater is concerning. Um, yeah. You know, it limits him both in the neutral zone and in the defensive zone. You know, he's, you know, he's not a guy like Nick Letty who can skate him his way out of trouble. Yeah. He's not a, so far he hasn't been a guy like Duncan Keith who could both skate his way out of trouble and pass his way out of trouble. So like, yeah, when he uh, dives into the zone or pinches and gets caught, he can't recover. He can't recover. You know, that was something where, you know, Keith, Letty, you know, the, the undersized guys that they've had in the past could recover. You know, uh, Nick Letty's a good, a, a good comparison. He also came into the league at 19. So the same age Boquist is now. And again, couldn't withstand physically. You know, uh, he, he did get if somebody got position on him, they would overpower him because he couldn't, he couldn't, um, you know, compete on the strength level. Eventually that came to him, you know, three years down the line, Uh, you know, you look at him now, you know, he's not a great defenseman, but you don't see him just getting ragdolled and, you know, thrown around or just overpowered. Um, But when he came into the league, he was an explosive skater. So even as he made mistakes, he could recover from them. Yeah, yeah. Boquist at this point has almost no room for error. If he makes a mistake, it basically leads to a prime scoring chance. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really difficult thing for a 19 year old without any, mm-hmm. you know, any experience to say, you are Oh, when make, yeah, you are right, going to make yeah, and you want him to make mistakes. You know, a guy that's as talented offensively as he is, you want him you don't want him to grow conservative in his thinking. You don't want him to say, Oh, I I stop those type of plays because eventually down the line, as he does get a little stronger, as he improves his skiing a little bit, you, you you don't want that mentality. You don't want him to have to relearn that mentality. You want him to keep that mentality. And, you know, while the AHL isn't playing, I don't have any problem with them keeping Boquist in the lineup. Hopefully this is just a little bit of a blip and he actually, you know, has maybe made some improvements, but we just, you know, he's just had a couple of games where he's struggling, but if, he hasn't shown some improvement in one of those three areas as far as taking better angles and cutting guys off, keep better gap, or showing in skating improvements or showing some strength improvements. If he's still struggling at all three of those things, by the time the AHL season starts, I would consider sending him down and just, you know, he's not going to have to worry about the skating aspect so much in the AHL. He'll be able to get top power play time you know top pairing minutes and just let him grow into his body a little bit and you know hopefully over the next couple of off seasons he can get both a little stronger and you know maybe work with you know one of these skating coaches that can you know as he gets stronger his lower body is going to get stronger hopefully that leads to a little bit you know a little more explosiveness in his step yeah hopefully so um yeah 
with the forward units, the offense has been, well, the best part of the team, but that's not saying much. But yeah. um, what do you think of who's uh, really standing out for you on the forward units? Um, well, I mean, it's kind of the three most talented guys that they have. I mean, it's Patrick Kane, it's Alex Debrinkit, and it's Dominic Kubelik. Uh, you know, they're the only guys that have really scored and uh, expect all of them. I mean, all three of them are capable of being 40 goal scorers in the NHL, um, assuming they have proper line mates. And so, you know, I mean, I think all three of those guys have shown well. Uh, it's nice to see Debrinkit score a couple of early goals. Um, you know, he was just snake bitten last year. I don't think there was really particularly anything wrong with play. You know, the downside with basically two of your three best players in Kubelik and Debrinkit, they're somewhat one-dimensional goal scorers. Now, obviously, goal scoring is the most important aspect of hockey. So, you know, you love having guys that can snipe the way that those two can. But, but they're not two-way players. They're not really two-way players. And if those are your second and third best players, especially when your first, when your best player is also not a two-way player, yeah, um, you know, that's how you kind of get into these five goals against games is, you know, without Taves, without Doc, mm -hmm. uh, that top six is just so soft mm -hmm. and not really committed to the defensive end. And unfortunately, also not very fast. Um, no. You know, we've talked about this over the last couple of years. The Hawks are both soft and slow. That is a horrible combination. Yes. And, you know, at least in, um, you know, when the, when the Hawks were first winning Stanley Cups, they had speed, they mm -hmm. had size, and they had skill. You know, they, 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 they did have smaller skill guys like Kane, who, when he was still really young, did get pushed around a little bit and, mm -hmm. you know, he'd float a little bit, but they had plenty of other guys that could provide grit and size. And they, they just, they had the versatility to play any way you wanted. Mm -hmm. As you got a little later into the, um, into the cup years, yeah, the team got a little smaller, got a little softer, but they still had a few guys here and there, but they also still had you know, guys like Taves, guys like Hosa, where, you know, they weren't really going to mix it up or anything like that, but they, they didn't get pushed around. Yeah. And they still had plenty of guys that could skate pretty well. Now we've kind of reached this point where, I mean, honestly, is there anybody on the team that's an above, yeah, you know, better than above average in skating? Who's the fastest I mean, guy in the Blackhawks? It's probably Patrick Kane, which is yes. not something you want when it's a 32 year old. I, I mean, he's no. still an above average skater in the NHL, but that's, you know, it, it, I mean, honestly, Kane and Keith might be their two best skaters. Mm -hmm. And that's just, oh, that is so hard to win with in the NHL nowadays. You know, I, Kurashev has shown a little bit of a jump in his step. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he might be a guy that can kind of settle in as another above average skater, but, you know, to bring it, uh, maybe, uh, maybe a tick above average, but mm -hmm. you know, again, he's small and it's tough to win with small guys who aren't great skaters. You know, again, yes. it kind of goes back to the Boquist Letty thing. Mm -hmm. Letty was small, but he had speed. Boquist is both small and doesn't have speed. Debrinket is small and doesn't have mm -hmm. speed. 
Uh, Kubalik has decent size and he's got, he's probably an above average skater. He's fine. I don't really worry about Dominic Kubalik too much, but mm-hmm. Strom, slow. Um, Walmark, slow. Carpenter, slow. Uh, Yanmark, eh, he's average ish. Uh, Camp, average, maybe a tick above average. You know, it, there's just, there's no speed, there's no size. And it's just, oh, it's such a drag <laughs> to, to kind of win that way. It, it, it really limits you. You know, you, you, you're basically dependent on uh, turnovers from the other team or, Very great goal you tending. know, a team that's, uh, yeah. Or, you know, the, the Blackhawks still have enough skill guys where if you get into a, an open game where the other mm-hmm. team isn't playing very intense or they're a little, you know, maybe they're on the second day of a back-to-back if you're or they're trading, just, yeah, yeah you're you know, they're chances. Yeah. And you're trading chances. They're not tech checking you really tight. They're not back checking mm-hmm. uh, real hard then. Yeah. You know, the Blackhawks have plenty of skill to kind of still take advantage of that, even with Taves and, and well, Doc. you know, the one good thing is if you can find any, silver lining in this whole start to the year it's that the power play is not bad it's yeah, improvement yeah. for once yep. yeah and you know it's both units of the power play which is also encouraging you know they're not dependent on one guy or one unit uh, the you know there was one game i want to say with the first power play unit where they got pretty stationary kind of the the same problems we've seen in previous years. But I think in the other three games, you know, they were moving around, you know, Shaw was active in front of the net. Uh, Strom was active behind the net and coming out into the, you know, being aggressive coming out. And then when he got the puck and and passing across to Debrinket, um, Debrinket, you know, uh, he's setting himself up for goals. He's doing what he's supposed to do on that power plays. He's he's the, the shooter. And Boquist, uh, uh, he seems a hesitant to shoot. Mm-hmm. He still seems like he's deferring to Patrick Kane too much. Well, the, you know, that, that's been a problem in the past where it didn't yeah, seem like, you know, anybody who wasn't Duncan Keith was mm-hmm. uh, deferring to Patrick Kane too much. And so I, I, I would like to see Boquist become a little more aggressive on the power play. And I think once he does start taking some shots from the point, it will open up other things and can improve, you know, the whole group, you know, even though they're already playing pretty well. Um, But, you know, we've talked about it many times with the amount of skill that the Blackhawks have, there's no reason their power play shouldn't be among the league best. And I think part of it has been the issue of they've all been so stationary. They're all waiting for Patrick Kane to do something. Mm -hmm. Whereas if those other guys start to kind of assert themselves. Yeah, that's a lot of. It opens up staring, everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if Boquist becomes a threat in the middle of the ice, it's going to open up that passing lane from Patrick Kane to Alex to bring it more often. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen so many times where Kane's standing there and he's trying to get that pass across, but to bring standing yeah. still, Boquist is standing still, everybody's standing still. And the other team knows where Patrick Kane's going to go with the puck. Mm-hmm. But if there's other options that are available, it just it, it opens up that cross ice pass eventually, and so yeah, Boquist kind of asserting himself or switching him out for somebody who you know even 
even if it's somebody like Keith, where he's not really a threat to shoot, but if he gets the puck, he can still make a good pass. That's at least something. Um, But then on the second unit, I mean, you know, a guy like Lucas Walmark, again, we talk about, he's not very skilled or, I mean, he's not very fast. He's actually pretty slow, but he's got a pretty good hockey sense. He, he, he sees the ice pretty well. Um, so in a power play situation, he's not a terrible guy on your power play too. Um, again, Duncan Keith has usually been the defenseman on that and he still knows how to pass. Um, he sees the ice. Well, he's just, you know, he's just not a threat to shoot anymore. But there's one guy who is not shy to shoot. Dominic Kubelik. Yep. Uh, yes. You got a premier shooter. Um, you know, honestly, he's their Blackhawks best shooter, not mm-hmm. Alex DeBrinkett. But, you know, I, I see it on Twitter. I see it in blogs. And, but, you know, why isn't Dominic Kubelik on the first power play? He's not on the first power play because he plays the exact same position as Patrick yes. King. You look at those two goals that Dominic Kubelik scored last night. Where was he on the ice? The prime spot. The exact same spot that Patrick yeah. Kane wants to wants the puck on every play. So either you convince Patrick Kane to play on the left side, or Dominique Kubelik needs to be moved to a spot where he's not going to be set up for a one timer. Neither yeah. of those really make a lot of sense. And I mean, he's scoring on the second unit. So yeah. why mess with that? Right. Well, I, I think what they need to do. The, the, the problem that we've seen in the past with this setup is Patrick Kane stays out there for 90 yeah, for the seconds minutes, yeah. or more. Yeah, sometimes the full two minutes. And that means Dominic Kubelik doesn't get out on the ice. That can't happen. They have to say to Kane, you either come off after one minute mm-hmm. or you get one minute on the right side. And if you haven't generated it, if you haven't scored by then, the other side, yeah. then you go to the other side. You don't... Re- um, you know, you replace Debrinket. You don't replace. You know, you're not. You're, you take Debrinket's spot. You don't take Kubelik's spot. That, to me, is the key. If they can do that and yeah. get Kubelik out there for one minute and Kane out there for one minute or more, but move it around a little bit, and then and that also keeps it from getting stale. If Patrick Kane's on one side for one minute yes. and the other side for another minute, you know, that's going to mess with the other teams. Um, you know, their angles and what yeah. they have to worry about. So that, to me. One minute in, Kubelik goes out. That's yeah. that's when it happens. So, Coach Colleton? Yeah, listen to me. Okay. All right. Um, so, I guess now we'll go to the preview, and there's I, – I almost want to say series preview now because that's kind yeah. of what it is. Yeah. But um, the Blackhawks finally come home, and they have a two-game series with the Red Wings. The rivalry's renewed. And then yeah. um, I didn't, they play the Predators, but is that in Nashville or in Chicago? That is in Nashville. They go, they go, so two games at home against Detroit and then two games on the road against Nashville. Yep. And um, of course the Red Wings, just as bad as the Blackhawks and they're yep. competing for the number one pick. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, the eight games against the Red Wings could very well be what determines which team has the best odds at the number one pick in the NHL. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't expect either one of those teams to be very competitive against the other teams in the division. You know, obviously every once in a while, a goalie is going to steal a win mm-hmm. or the other team's just going to play bad. But yeah. if, you know, barring anything unforeseen, I mean, those two teams are, you know, Maybe they win five games against the rest Maybe. of the league. I don't know. Maybe 10. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it'll just come down to, you know, what happens against each other. And, you know, if they split, which I think is probably pretty likely that they, they split, then, you know, they're both going to end up with terrible records and it'll kind of be a toss up, but I, you know, it's obviously possible one team kind of dominates the other team in the head to head. And if that's the case, you know, um, it's kind of a Pyrrhic victory in some ways. Um, But we've also seen, you know, I mean, the Red Wings had a terrible record, uh, you know, a historically bad record last year and they didn't get any of the three lottery picks. So Yeah, and then the Predators, they've had a lot of games already postponed due to the coronavirus. So that's still up in the air for that. I think yeah. they probably will play them, but. You know, I'd like to think that in a week, hopefully they have it uh, a little more in hand, but, you know, who knows? And the games are back to back next week, next Tuesday mm-hmm. and Wednesday. So if there is still a problem, you know, if one of them gets canceled, they're probably both mm-hmm. going to be canceled. So. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. You yeah. know, and as far as Detroit goes, you know, Detroit's bad, but they're also healthy. And that probably mm-hmm. gives them advantage over the Blackhawks at this point. Whereas, you know, but we've also got Patrick Kane. They don't have a Patrick mm-hmm. Kane. You know, we've talked about it before. Patrick Kane can single-handedly win games for you at times, yes. you know, and, and games that you shouldn't win either. You know, games mm-hmm. where the other team I mean, dominates you. Did. You almost did yesterday. Right. Yeah. You know, how many times have we seen the Blackhawks down three to one or three to two? They haven't been highly competitive. Mm -hmm. And then two minutes left in the game, they pull the goalie and Patrick Kane somehow, you know, he plays terrible for 58 minutes, Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden he scores, scores a goal and assists on another in the last two minutes and they go to overtime and at least get a point out of it. Yep. That he's still capable of doing that. So, you know, the key is don't give up five goals, you know? Yeah. Because I don't, you know, in, in, in years past with Taves, with Doc, with, you know, a healthy lineup, the Blackhawks could trade goals and sometimes still win five to four or four, you know, four to three. This year, it's going to be tough for them to score more than three goals very often. You know, three, four goals, I think, is kind of the top. So, you know, the, to me, the goalies, the, the, the games that the Blackhawks are going to have a chance is when the goalie gives up three, you know. Yes. Um, but so far, you know, we obviously haven't seen that and we gotta, we gotta get that first win in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I know a lot of blame is being put on the goalies right now, but, uh, the defense has been more of a problem to me. Um, I don't care what goalie you have, whether it was, you know, Corey Crawford, uh, obviously he wouldn't be giving up five goals a game, but he'd still probably be giving up three and a half or four at this point with the way the defense has been playing and that still wouldn't, you know, they still wouldn't have won any of those games. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess on that note, hopefully we'll see a win, but uh, you can follow our uh, uh, subscribe to our podcast on the Apple podcast app and um, on Twitter, Michael. MJ underscore Ernst. um, STH 85 on Twitter. And send us a message if you want. And yeah, let's think positive thoughts and get a win. And till our next episode, go hot.